Hey guys, welcome to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. This is the show where we explore the science, the stories and the strategies of getting out of our comfort zones so we can find where the magic happens for us. Today's guest is Hannah Ivanova, who is the founder and director of The Sweat Project, uh, encouraging young girls to get active outside of uh, sort of traditional sport. Um, and she's also the store manager of Lululemon, Lambton Key, uh, where I got to chat with an awesome bunch of guys uh, the other night about getting out of their comfort zone. It was great fun. So thank you, Hannah, for organizing and thank you, Lululemon, for having me. So some of the topics that we chat through today, team, are why Hannah looks for traits in mentors that she wants to develop in herself, uh, the importance of being hardworking, why we should build relationships. Asking yourself the question, what should this look like? Uh, we have a little bit of a chat about social media and uh, the validation that we receive from it at times um, and how we could potentially better utilize it. And as always, we have a bit of a chat about leaning into the uncomfortable uh, it was a lot of fun having a chat with Hannah, and I'm sure that you guys will enjoy this as well. So thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with Hannah and I today. Pleasure and hi to Hannah's parents as well, who are quite excited about <laughs> you being on a podcast. They're the real MVPs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was nice. I had a chat with um, Lucy Revel from the residence uh, a couple oh, of months yeah. ago, and she came around and um, she was like, "It's always been my dream to be on a podcast." So thank you so much for f- helping me achieve this. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's that's quite nice." Um, Hannah, I think let's, let's kick things off just with a little bit of background about yourself. So where are you from? Where did you grow up? Were there any kind of big experiences in, in your youth that have kind of led you down the path that you're on? Um, so I grew up in Masterton, just in the Wairapa. Um, I went to school in Wadab College. Um, I went to Masterton Intermediate, which is actually where, we'll come back to it, but where I did the first sweat project. Um, and there was definitely one notable thing that happened when I was younger. My, um, my mum passed away when I was three, almost four. And that has massively impacted like who I am and what I do. Like totally. Mm, How's that impacted you? It's really built character. Like I have grown up to be very independent, um, very resilient as well. And I think like I had, I had parents, like I grew up with my auntie and uncle and then my mum and dad who are, who are very excited to hear this podcast. Um, but I looked to a lot of other people for a female role model um, beyond my family as well as my family. And I think I've just wanted to make sure that I was, could be that person for someone else. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting and good on you for being that person for other people. But, I mean, when you were looking for female role models, who did you find? I found I had really good relationships with all my friends' mothers. Um, they all kind of took me under their wing, like really good relationships with teachers. I have some teachers that I actually still keep in touch with and I've just looked for different traits along the way and I don't think I've always gone in there knowing what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But just really found like my pick of the bunch of like, I don't know, I guess you look for traits that you want to improve on, right? Or a mm. trait that you have that you really want to strengthen. And and that's how I've sought out these role models. Cool. Yeah, that is, that is good. So, I mean, some of it has been kind of proactively seeking them out based on traits that you want to work on. But other times it's been actually you've, you've found someone first and then the kind of the traits that come afterwards yeah I think so like it's not even me being out like okay right I'm gonna go out and find me a role model like it absolutely hasn't happened that way Uh, but it's just something that's naturally evolved Mm, cool what are the biggest traits that you've uh, that you've picked up or that you've been working on um a lot of women that I look up to are very hard working um, and I definitely pride myself in my work ethic. Mm. I would say they're very driven and determined. And I think from that and how my parents brought me up, I've become very independent and resilient. Mm. Cool. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> so Hannah grew up in Mustard and lived in the, in the Wairarapa. Um Obviously, we're in, in Wellington at the moment. How did you come to end up in, over here? Well, I went to university in Palmerston North. I studied a Bachelor of Sport and Exercise um, with the intention to become a PE teacher. And English was actually going to be my second teaching subject. So PE and English, they were like my jam at school. And after I graduated uni, I decided to go to Sydney for six months um, before I came back and studied my postgrad in teaching. Actually, I didn't intend on going there for six months. I was only supposed to go there for the summer. Ended up staying there six months. So I fell into a role at a gym in Sydney and I really loved the environment and how supportive it was of women and their goals. Not just women particularly, but I really liked that aspect. And it made me sort of think I wanted to go down a different path. And so I moved back to New Zealand. I think I was here for maybe seven months, not in a role that I loved. Um, And I decided to jump over the ditch and I went back to Australia and I lived in Perth. And before I got to Perth, based on relationships that I'd built the first time I was in Sydney, um, an opportunity came up to work with a company called Rapid Personal Training. And so I was like, sweet, I'm moving to Perth. I have a job already. And let's just see what comes from that. So I actually worked for rapid personal training for three years. Uh, I did various different roles. I wore a lot of different hats. I sold personal training to people. I did like initial consultations. I managed personal trainers. I trained personal trainers. I evolved into a role at the head office, which was in Sydney. So I moved back to Sydney after a couple of years. And I got to a point where I, kind of felt like I'd outgrown the company and that was actually probably one of the like top 10 hardest decisions I've made was actually deciding to resign 
and because I just felt like I wasn't growing or being challenged anymore. And I loved the company because it was a small startup business initially. Um, Everyone was really close and it was not fulfilling me. And so deciding to leave was, yeah, it was very hard. Mm. How long did you sit with that um, kind of sense of unfulfillment for before you you got to the point where you made the decision to go? Not very long, like maybe three months, like where I was thinking, is it because I'm not challenging myself? Like, what is it that I'm looking for? And one night I actually couldn't sleep and I just started jotting down some stuff and I came up with an idea to start my own business. And I kind of toyed with it for a little while and maybe two weeks after that, I resigned. Mm, very cool. Mm. Um, with with kind of that resignation, did you have kind of a set next step that you were going to already to make that resignation a little bit easier or was there a, everything was still uncertain at that point? I was certain I was going to move back to New Zealand and that was definitely what I prefaced my resignation with. Um, I wanted to come back home and I knew that if I wanted to start my business, I wanted to do it in New Zealand because I really wanted to set myself up. And so I decided I would move back to New Zealand by the end of the year. So I think I resigned in June. I had a trip back to New Zealand in October and with the intention to come back and work for a couple of months before actually permanently moving in December. And I moved in September. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Now, the business idea that you came up with at the time, was that the Sweat Project? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the Sweat Project, um, what it is, and maybe jump into the into kind of the the brainstorming process around it initially as well, and to sort of how it came into being. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. It was that night that I couldn't sleep and. I think it just sparked a lot of inquiry about what I was doing, where I wanted to go. And I looked at the skills that I had. So I graduated with a major in education and sport and exercise. And I didn't want to be a PE teacher. Um, I was quite certain that I didn't want to be around people that didn't want to be there. And from my experience in PE classes, there's definitely a strong aspect of people that don't want to be there. Um, I didn't want to be a personal trainer. I felt like with that, my reach would be quite limited because you can only see X amount of clients every week. Like you're only one person. And my previous role, I definitely impacted more people based on the trainers that I influenced and then they in turn influenced on their clients, but I wanted it to be a bit bigger. And so I thought about my experience in physical education classes and I loved sport. Like I would be out with the boys playing touch rugby at lunchtime and if I had a study period, I would go jump in with another PE class. Like I totally loved it. And quite often people would say to me, oh, I'm not very good at sport. Like, what would I do? Like, how do I get fit? How do I be active without actually playing sport? And so I thought that is where the gap is because in New Zealand, it's very sport dominated country and it's kind of sport or nothing. So if you're not playing sport, then maybe when you're younger, especially now, people are starting to go to the gym a bit more, but there wasn't really anything that facilitated what that should look like. And I definitely dabbled in the in the gym when I was at school. Had no clue what I was doing. Like would maybe do some sit-ups and a little bit of running on the treadmill. Um, so I just wanted to be able to create something for young girls who didn't identify with team sports um, or the competitive side of sports or the tactical side of sports um, and create a space where they could really be active and healthy 
without actually having that sport environment. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think, because uh, how old are you? 27. 27, okay, cool. So you would have grown up in the in the 90s, early 2000s, yeah. Um, I'm 34, so probably a little bit before, <laughs> a little bit before you. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely remember PE classes. Um, I think it was sixth form PE. When you one of the modules that we had to do was actually teach a fourth form PE class, yeah. Um, and then like everyone kind of got a different sport drawn out of the hat that you had to go and teach. Uh, and me and a couple of the other guys were lucky enough to pull cricket out of the hat. Oh, you would have been stoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I was pretty, I was pretty happy about it. But cricket is a reasonably polarizing sport for fourth formers, mm. um, especially fourth form girls who aren't always particularly keen on cricket. So it was a nice wee challenge for us to just stop people sitting down and on the grass and having conversations um, just in a circle. And that is so the, what happened. Whilst the game went on around them. <laughs> and like we, we got to the point where it was actually, we just went over to them and said, hey, look, like just stand in a circle and have a conversation, but can you at least do it standing up? So, because we're getting marked on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, from my perspective as well, like when I was growing up, it was very kind of sport orientated, whether that was team sport or whether it was kind of, I mean, you could probably argue that athletics or swimming are team sports in a capacity mm. as well, but there's a lot of individuality with them too. But yeah, there wasn't there wasn't always that kind of space for people to be active in a kind of semi structured way without doing a team sport or kind of abiding by all these different different rules around what you should be doing and what you what you shouldn't be doing. Um, so very like the concept of the sweat project like fascinates me in terms of kind of what you what you're doing with it. Like, what is it, what does it look like when you go and do it? Uh, well, I just spent term four of 2017 working with a group of 10 girls in Macedon Intermediate. And I was very fortunate to have space in the school day to spend with the girls. So I had from 1.30 till 3 o'clock every Friday. And so obviously we weren't going to train for an hour and a half. That's, I didn't think that that would be fantastic. Um, so we did a lot of like workshopping. So we spoke a lot about sleep. We spoke about social media. We spoke about nutrition. We spoke about self-esteem and would always have one topic that I would like, we're just like round table sort of chat about. And then I would provide them with some tools from what I thought would be like a really good way to cope or deal with or like create positive habit. Um, and I'm by no means an expert, but definitely just being some sort of support for those girls and then would get out and do a workout. And the feedback I got at the end of it, oh my gosh, I remember videoing some of the girls and my face behind the video. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I, could, I couldn't have scripted this better. Like yeah. they, it totally landed for them. Um, and even now I actually got a message the other day from one of the girls and she was like, you inspired me so much. You actually changed my life. And I can't even explain how that made me feel. Like one person I've impacted that much in just a short term um, I'm really excited to see what we can create. Mm, yeah, that's that's very cool. So, I mean, when you were 
picking these girls to st- or when these girls kind of came into the program to start with like were there do they come from like a specific like background's the wrong word but like they were people that girls that weren't that into sort of the team sport environment already or they were ones that were quite sporty it was actually a mix um i sat down with the principal and we spoke about like he knows his students at the back of his hand and he sort of like picked off a group of girls that they he thought would really connect with this idea um and also make it successful for me so to really support my first sweat project so we had girls that played netball we had girls that had never done any exercise before we had girls that had gone from school to school because of like bullying um various levels of like overweight and like health issues um yeah it was a real mixed bag mm. what changes did you see in the girls over the over the time that you were working with them the trust that they had with other people um especially now like looking at like young girls it's so much about social media and how they show up on their online presence and how much validation they get from how many likes or followers they get and creating a group of girls that really trusted each each other to be really vulnerable and was pretty amazing and to see that like they weren't it wasn't like a group of friends there were 10 girls from all different friend groups and the connectedness that I saw at the end of it was, yeah, it was pretty special. Mm. I mean, I'm by no means an expert on social media or teenage girls, but <laughs> like with the, in terms of kind of the, the social media validation that they were looking for initially, did you see that changed over time as well? Or is that something that was still kind of high on their priority list? I think that is a massive work in progress. Because social media can be such a powerful tool. It can bring so many people together and so many actually friends that I've met have been through social media. Um, And you see the alternative effects. So a lot of the bullying that happens. And so I don't think within 10 weeks there could have been a massive shift on how that looked like for girls in terms of their validation. But I think a lot of them created a lot more self-worth and belief in themselves that sometimes was sought through social media. Mm. Yeah, that's that's cool. And I mean, I try and use social media as a tool, mm. um, and that's how we first connected on on messaging on Instagram. Totally, um, which is which is good. Shows us the power of social media <laughs> for good. Um, but yeah, there is a there's kind of a another side of of social media, and um, I mean, like. I don't have enough people that kind of listen or follow me to actually have any trolls, which is quite nice. But I'm sure that some people that some people do, and it's got to be um, it's got to be challenging to have sort of have people kind of sending you negative feedback and negative messages that either you that you know or are just kind of directed really personally at you as well. Um, which must be, yeah, must be a challenge in terms of kind of the, the social media world now. But there's also kind of massive rabbit holes that you can go down in terms of the social media too, that um, everyone's sort of, their Insta life is uh, kind of the, the, the highlight package of sort of ridiculously posed photographs that you can be yourself to as well, which is kind of another, another massive, massive challenge. Um, and yeah, quite different for me as a 34-year-old guy compared <laughs> to a to a teenage girl 
I think it's how they look at that, maybe. Yeah, and I think there's two really important things to remember when looking at social media. And again, no expert, but we are so in choice about what we follow. And if there's something that's having a really negative impact on how we view ourselves, then you can literally just hit unfollow. Um, And it's quite as simple as that. And the other thing is remembering it is totally a highlight reel. I've just came back from Melbourne and so many people like, oh, it looked like you had like such an epic trip. And it totally was. But also I had tonsillitis the whole week. So I felt pretty average a lot of the time. And some of the times when we went out, I always left early to go home to bed. But that wasn't what I chose to share on social media. I chose to share like the fun aspects of it. And so it's remembering as well that it is the highlight reel. Like not mm. everyone's going to post photos of themselves in bed with tonsillitis. Yeah, or the back of their throat. <laughs> yeah, like no one wants to see <laughs> that. Swollen tonsils. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah, I think you make an interesting point around kind of the negative impact that following some people can have on you. I think sometimes that's quite insidious though as well as that we're not always aware of that it is having a negative impact mm. on us. We know that we're not feeling great. But I mean, do you have like in the work that you've done any kind of tips for people about how to sort of be aware around that so that you can manage it a little bit better? I think there's an element of detoxing and just really looking at who you are following and why you are following them and what is it that you're gaining from that. Um, and that's probably like my strategy around it. Like if something's making me feel like shit, am I allowed to swear? You can swear. <laughs> then it's literally just the self-awareness to know, to know that it's not having a positive impact on me. And so by creating self-awareness in other people, then hoping that they can sort of realize that themselves. Mm. And self-awareness is an interesting topic. Oh, yeah. As well. And it's quite an uncomfortable topic sometimes because being aware of yourself, you don't always like what you're aware of. Um, I mean, like, how do you cultivate self-awareness in yourself? Do you have some practices that you do or, like, any, any habits that you that help you develop your self-awareness? Um, I think one thing I've learned, and it's definitely since I've worked with Lululemon, because there's um, a lot of yogic principles that we look at, is really seeing other people as a mirror. So when you're getting frustrated with someone, is what is it that you're getting frustrated with them about? And quite often it's actually a reflection of something that you're not entirely happy with in yourself. Um, I know, like my half sister there's definitely things that frustrate me about her and I've got the exact same traits so we're quite similar and it's funny to see like things that I would get annoyed at and it's probably something I would do as well and it's just like holding up a mirror to yourself Mm, mm, yeah so I mean kind of being aware of that frustration or that those feelings that are happening at the time and then actually asking yourself the question what's going on inside me yeah. at the moment that is kind of that is causing this because I mean there is yeah what's the what's that saying that um, I'm going to butcher this but <laughs> um, everyone experiences pain but suffering is a choice yes yeah I have yeah, heard that and I don't know if you butchered it or not but I do know what you're talking about yeah sim- semi-butchered it um, but yeah I think it, it comes back to the, <laughs> um, the the fact that yeah 
people or things are going to happen that aren't great in your life but you're the person that has the power to react to that as well absolutely and And if you can yeah if you can cultivate that self-awareness of how you're reacting and how you're showing up then hopefully you can react in a slightly more positive manner to it and I think as well it's and it's something that I learned working with rapid and something that's been cultivated at lululemon um is being in choice and not being a victim to circumstance because whatever the circumstance, you've obviously made choices to get yourself to wherever you are. Um, And you see a lot of people do become a victim to circumstance and forgetting that they can actually just shift quite quickly. So that's a big part of it as well, I think. Mm, mm. And yeah, it's much easier said than done. Yeah. That as well. (laughs) Sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in that sort of, I'm a victim. People are things have things have happened that are beyond my control, and I yeah. Sometimes I kind of get into a bit of a spiral with that going on as well. Is that oh, this isn't my fault? It's uh, it's beyond my control. Um, like, like lateness. That is yeah. That is like my pet hate. Like people being <laughs> late, and people are like oh, well, the bus is late. It was actually you could have just left a little bit earlier, and it's always everyone else's fault, especially with lateness. But there's a lot of personal responsibility that comes with that. Mm, there is, there is. <laughs> I mean, if you do, you ever get into kind of that that negative spiral of being a victim sometimes. Uh, I'd say I totally do. Mm. I can't think. Oh, the other day would actually be quite a good example because it was just, as people say, like one of those days, and I actually worked really hard not to let myself believe that it was one of those days. You know, people wake up and they've missed their alarm and they're like, oh, I know that I'm going to have a shit day now. And like all these things keep happening that are sort of negative and I tried really hard to shift out of that mindset. And I feel like I showed up well. Yeah. What did you What did you do specifically? Just left the past in the past, like Rafiki of The Lion King. He is an absolute legend and he's like, you know, when he hits Simba on the head and he's like, it's in the past, it doesn't matter. And just remembering that. Um, and then even at the end of the day, I got all the way to my car and I left my keys at work. And I was like, I thought I had got through this. And sometimes just shit happens. Yeah. And sometimes you've just got to laugh at it yeah. as well. Um, we've got massively off track. We have. I don't even know where we're at now. That's all right. So we, we were talking about the changes that you saw in the girls in regards to how they, how they showed up over the course of the, the Sweat Project program. What changes did you notice in yourself? Ooh, coming in with the big guns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've warmed up for 20 minutes, so I can yeah. drop this one. Blindside you, like I told you I wasn't going to. From Lion King analogies to this. Shit. Um, I guess it's realizing who I want to be as a leader and knowing my power in that as well. It's so easy to self-doubt and think, how, like, why will you inspire people and how can that be a thing? And being really aware of actually, like, I am a powerful leader and I can be really fierce and I can use that to impact other people. Mm. Did you kind of doubt yourself before you started? Oh, totally. Started out? Yeah. I was going into the first one and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I even going to do? I'm such a fraud. Mm. Like, who am I to tell these girls, like, how they can shift their life and you know, how can I support them to create change? Like all that sort of inner critic stuff and 
then you do it and it's it's fine. Mm. Do you still have some of that there? Yeah. When yeah. you asked me to come on here, I was like, why on <laughs> earth does he want to talk to me? I've done nothing cool. Like, And I looked through your podcast and who you'd spoken to and I was like, oh my gosh, he's massively got it wrong. And there's always an element of like doubt in a critic and it's just learning to quieten that and turn up your energy later. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the first 26 minutes of our chat have kind of proved that in a critic voice wrong for you, um, <laughs> that you've had a lot of really fascinating, interesting stuff to, to say as well that's valuable for, for a lot of people. Um, so with with the Sweat Project, where where's it going next? That is a great question. Um, term one this year, I because I have a full-time job as well, I work full-time at Lululemon as the store manager, and it was a new role I was coming into, and I made the choice to focus on that for one to two terms um, because I want to show up powerfully in both of those roles 100%. And so there hasn't been a lot of work on the sweat project so far this year. Um, I do have a like a day coming up with Wellington Girls College where I'm running some boot camps for their wellness day. And I think the direction I want to take it is to have a strong online presence. That was definitely something that the girls asked for is like having workouts that they can do online and like something that's really accessible. It's not always something that, you know, I can go to all these schools, but again, like the reach can be quite limited. So looking at how I can create a wider reach, but still be just as impactful. Mm -hmm. Cool. What are the biggest challenges that you're going to face? in terms of doing this? There's going to be a lot of element of sacrifice, um, especially when I was doing the sweat project and working full-time as the assistant manager at Lululemon. I'd spend five days a week there, and then one day would be the sweat project, and then my seventh day of the week was like planning for both components and squeezing in some life admin and trying to maintain friendships. Um, so really knowing where my priorities are, because there's definitely an element of sacrifice in that. And how I'm going to juggle it all. Mm. Yeah, how do you, I mean, how do you prioritize what you're doing? Do you have a process that you work through or just try and fit it in where you can? Uh, it's been really clear on what my goals are. Um, there's definitely been some friendships that have taken a hit like in the last six months because I haven't prioritized them. Um, and I've had to th like remind myself that big picture, this is why I'm making these choices. And it's just being really clear on why I'm doing it, which makes saying no easier, even though it's not always easy. Yeah, no is no is something that is always challenging, I think, um, especially when it kind of comes to opportunities mm. as well. That I mean, we we want to be open to opportunities, um, but sometimes we have important stuff that needs to that needs to happen. Yeah, uh, at the time as well. So yeah. The uncomfortable no is sometimes really good in the in the long term in the scheme of things. One of our training managers, like a big takeaway for me last year was when you say no, your yes is so much more powerful. Um, because if you're saying yes all the time, then it can you know it's people get used to that, I guess. But when you do say no, it like you your yes is powerful, and um, if you're saying yes to something, you're often saying no to something else. So. Mm. Had I said yes to going away for this weekend, um, 
I would have been saying no to a weekend where I needed to be working on my business or rejuvenating or recovering or whatever. Mm, or sitting down having an interesting conversation. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Um, cool. What do you What do you still need to work on yourself? Do you think in terms of you being able to show up for the sweat project? I think looking after number one, it's when you're doing something when you're giving a lot to other people, it's very easy to put yourself last and it ties in with the yes, no thing um, because it's very easy to do everything for everyone else and then forget about what you actually need to be doing and how you need to look after yourself so you can show up well for these people. Mm. And how are you looking after yourself at the moment? <laughs> I feel like I feel like the, um, that old, I don't know what it was, there's some food ad that the parents would ring up and just say, I just want to know that my little girl's looking after herself. I think Bernice <laughs> Minnie was on the ad, actually. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely look after myself through exercise. Exercise is a big part of my life, and I feel like I've got my shit together when I'm exercising. Um, I trained this morning, and it's like doing those little things. Like sometimes it's reading a book. Sometimes it's just spending time by myself. I quite enjoy recharging by myself have you ever done the 16 personalities quiz i don't think i've done that one no um there's one and it tells you like how much of an extrovert and introvert you are myers myers briggs yeah or a version of yeah and i was 99 percent extroverted and one percent introverted yeah (laughs) but i do enjoy recharging by myself and like doing those things that help me be so extroverted all the time Mm, okay Cool. Very cool. Um, Hannah, I mean, we've, we've had a bit of a chat around the, the sweat project and kind of why it's, why it's important, uh, for you to be doing in terms of kind of the way that this is a really long winded question. Um, in terms of the way that physical activity in New Zealand has kind of changed over the last probably even 10 years or 20 years that, I mean, when I grew up and when you grew up as well, that sort of everyone was sort of outside, outside playing, um, outside kind of doing, doing things. Um, whereas leisure activities are a lot more sort of sedentary Mm. now. What a, like what are some of the challenges you see in terms of kind of implementing this sort of change around getting kids more active moving forward? I think it's, it comes down to habits, like having really mm. positive, healthy habits because as much time as I can spend with these girls, I'm probably going to spend maybe 45 minutes to 90 minutes with them a day and that's such a small percentage of the day and it's actually what they do and the other – 22 and a half hours that's really going to create the lasting change so it's really helping provide the tools so that they can create a healthy lifestyle and it's a lot of the time it's like enrollment of their family because like they're learning these behaviors from somewhere and it's like making sure that the right things are happening at home as well I had one girl and she said to me what her favorite part about the sweat project was um was her learning the exercises with me 
taking them home and then doing them with her family, which is something they'd never, ever done before. They'd never exercised as a family. And I thought that was so cool that she could actually take that and be like, hey, mum and dad, like, why don't we do this tonight instead of watching TV or whatever? Um, so it's starting when they're quite young because that's going to sort of facilitate the habits for, for them to pass on. Mm, definitely. And I, yeah, I, I think being a healthy adult starts with being a healthy kid as well. And if you can kind of facilitate that, the earlier, the earlier, the better. Yeah. Um, because it's much easier to kind of keep going with good health habits if you've already started them rather than trying to bring them in when you haven't previously done them before um, and you're potentially being unhealthy for a, for a little while. It's much harder to pull it back than to, to start, it, uh, start it out. And I've got some questions that I usually ask everybody um, that I did give you a little bit of a head about. <laughs> so we'll see we'll see what you what you come up with today. So the first question is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did, and how did you get through it? Do you know before I came here, I was going to say that this podcast was probably the last uncomfortable thing that I did, um, because I was like shitting myself to be honest, um, and. I was very nervous about it. I think outside of that, I went to a personal development course last year and I stood up in front of, I think it might've been 120 people and just shared the story about my mum and how that impacted my life. And that was terrifying. And a lot of feedback that I got from that was I shared for the people that couldn't. And people that didn't have the courage to stand up and share such like personal details about themselves, they actually learned a lot about themselves through my sharing. So sometimes it's about being vulnerable and being uncomfortable, not just for your own benefit and or ego. Um, It's about how you can actually impact others because there's a lot of other people that wouldn't have the voice to do that. And it's just remembering sometimes it's a bit more bigger picture than yourself. Definitely. And I think with with that as well is that it's quite hard for people to open up and be vulnerable and kind of show themselves because it is it's it's uncomfortable. We're we're afraid of being judged around that and afraid of what's going to kind of come back on us if we sort of show any weakness or if we say something that other we think other people might see as stupid. But actually kind of uh, opening up and being vulnerable and kind of doing that first just gives people permission to open up and be vulnerable as well because everyone is everyone has that inner critic inside their head telling them that they're shit and actually no what are you what are you doing what are you talking about yeah Um, this isn't a valid opinion or why would people bother listening to you or kind of um appreciating the stuff that you that you have to say and everyone kind of goes through some of that or some kind of version of that as well. But we all kind of suffer in silence in regards to that rather than sort of opening up and having a conversation around it. But actually you kind of getting up there and sharing that to start with probably facilitated a whole lot of other conversations that you may not have even been aware of Mm. at the time just because you would share that, you'd given other people permission to go and have this conversation and, and open up in a way that hopefully sort of set up a bit of a, 
a chain reaction that so that people could become uh, a little bit more connected and kind of talk through talk through some of their shit as well, which is very cool. Yeah. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do? Oh. And why is that uncomfortable for you? Oh, my God, that's such a hard question. Um, next uncomfortable thing, aside from flying, um, because that makes me very uncomfortable, as we discussed before we came on here, um, it is the online presence with my brand. I find it very, very hard to talk in front of a camera and it might not always look that way, but it just scares the bejesus out of me. But that's what the girls are asking for and that's who I need to be to be the person that I want to be to impact their lives. And so it's, yeah, it's just being like the face of your brand and remembering that people are looking to you and how that's going to impact them. Mm. Yeah, that is that is a bit scary. Joel gave me an interesting tip about that the other day. Actually, is that he said when you're when you're speaking to the camera when you're speaking in general, actually just think about that you're speaking to one person. So you're speaking to that girl that gave yeah. you that message. That actually how you've changed my life, and like how would you want to speak, and how would you want to show up to tell them this information. I've actually heard that before, like when you're writing a book, you should be writing, this is some good advice for you, Mm, you should be mm. writing it to one person because it'll be received in so many different ways, but if you're writing to one specific person, then it's so much more like concise Mm. and directed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that one before as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome advice. Um, Do you have any other strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? I think it's really leaning into it. Um, like you know when you feel uncomfortable because of all the physical sen- sensations that you get, that feeling in your gut where it's like, oh, do I do I do this? Should I? Shouldn't I? And really being like, I'm a big person on like going with your gut and recognizing that and just going for it and knowing that what's on the other side of uncomfortable is epic. Mm. Yeah, that's a uh, that is a cool advice and I, I like the I like the lean into it as well because I think that kind of allows you the chance to slowly progress into it rather than jumping into the deep end and at times perhaps overwhelming yourself with discomfort because I mean your body has a, a certain amount of capacity to cope with things and if you just jump in the deep end sometimes you just get sucked down with it but whereas if you're leaning in you can kind of progressively build your resilience to getting uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, cool advice. And sometimes you need to jump in. Sometimes you do <laughs> need to jump in, yeah, because that's the, that's the only way. Um, and a couple more quick questions for you. The first is if people like what they hear, if they want to find out more about you, about the, the Sweat Project, how can they do that? How can they support you? I have two Instagram handles, um, and a lot of it is posted on my personal um, Instagram, and then a lot that's targeted to the younger girls is on the Sweat Project, and so that is the Sweat Project NZ, and then my personal one is Hannah Ivanova with an underscore at the end. 
Cool. I will pop some links to that in the notes for the show as well um, so that people can find you. One more question for you, Hannah. But I just want to say thank you again so much for taking the time to come around and have a sit down, have a have a chat, have a coffee with us. Um, and I say us because my dog <laughs> Fox is just lying in the sun. Uh, chilling. Just chilling over the other side of the room. Um, but I also want to thank you for inspiring uh, the next generation of young female leaders to make healthy choices for them for themselves and for their families as well i think that the stuff that you're doing is really awesome in, in that regard and uh yeah i'm i'm looking forward to seeing kind of where where it goes for you and sort of all the all the future leaders that you're impacting have you um seen many of simon sinek's ted talks i've seen i've seen a couple of them yeah one of them, he speaks about millennials mm. and how we often refer to millennials as being really entitled um, and all these things. And it's also our responsibility to make the change. And as managers and leaders and like people in society, it's actually up to us because we put a lot of blame on them for how they're showing up, I guess. Um, and so that's definitely a big motivator behind it because it's actually our responsibility to mm. create this next generation of epic leaders. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of plays back into that victim mentality that we were talking about before. Yeah. Is that uh, we're, we're the victim of the, this is in parentheses, the entitled millennial. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just how, how sometimes we view it. Final question for you, Hannah. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Ooh. I would say do something that scares you um, because that is usually where you get uncomfortable. And I think that definitely helps me grow. I look at the things that I would do weekly now compared to what I would do maybe three years ago, Hannah. Um, and it's just about recognizing that uncomfortable situation. And also if you are nervous, like we spoke about before, it's because of your level of give a shit. And I think that's really important to get amongst that. Mm. Great challenge to finish with. Hannah Ivanova, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. <laughs> thank you. 